Is everybody familiar with um, the memories, memories on Facebook? I don't have a Facebook. I'm making sure I'm saying that right. But you know what I'm talking about? Memories, sometimes it's called like on this day when you have Apple phone. It's where all these photos pop up. Sometimes they're like a year ago. Sometimes it's longer. I wasn't really getting them, but lately, all of a sudden, it must have been an update. I've been getting them a lot more. I had this day pop up a month ago in July, and it started with a 2018 Walt Disney World vacation that I got to go on. And I was laughing as I was looking at the photos. It was great because it was muggy and it was hot, but it was also fun and exhausting in Florida. I mean, we hit all the parks. It was like day after day. We went to Harry Potter World. That was cool. And I saw in some of the photos that were wearing those wet bands. Anybody ever been to Florida? People wear the wet band. I don't know why we thought it would be a great idea to put something wet around our necks, but you know, that's, uh, you know, beauty is pain, whatever they say, fashion and whatnot. But it was not. But I flipped through those. I scrolled through them, moved on because it got to 2019. And in 2019, during July, I was on an NYG trip, which is the National Youth Gathering. And uh, parents, if you have a student who's in high school, then this is the trip you got to send them on. Now, I think there's a meeting. Where's Jim? Two weeks, right? 1130 after this service, right? On the 29th. Did I get that right? Yes, I'm off to a great start. But that was a great trip. There was random photos, you know, of the things you do with high schoolers and the craziness and all that stuff. But again, just swiping through them, moving on. 2020, summer came up, just a picture of me and my cat on the couch. And I was like, yeah, that's about right. That's how it went. But uh, in reality, as I was looking through them, I didn't, uh, I didn't think too much, right? I just was like, all right, uh, that's great. Love it. Didn't wake up my wife and be like, you got to take a look at all these photos again. I just swiped, swiped, swiped up the app, called it a day. I had work to do, places to go, meetings to attend to, emails to respond to, what have you. It was nice, but I left thinking, I don't have time to go back on memory lane here because I'm late on my schedule now. And I think our story today reads like one of those on this day or memories that we get sent to us by our phone automatically. Maybe just because this is a, a really nice story and the reason that he tells it is right there attached to it. Maybe it's just a couple of verses and then because it's squished in between parables and it's really short. And then Jesus says, I'm about to die and then rise. And then there's a healing that happens afterwards before he gets to Jerusalem. There's just not a lot of theological or historical importance, it seems, in our text today. And so a lot of times it just gets overlooked because there are important things to get to. If Jesus is going to Jerusalem, then that means his single-minded final mission of getting to the cross, this is what it's all about. We're focusing on the big thing. And it's almost there as we get to our story today. And so I think sometimes this story gets read just like a memory. So let's, let's look at it together. This is from Luke 18. Like I said, only three little verses here. People were bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. I think if we choose to spend just some time with this memory, if we choose not to just swipe past this tiny little story in the midst of so many other things before a very big moment in Jerusalem, we learn a few things about our Lord Jesus. See, our Lord Jesus here is inviting us to take up childlike faith. In our text, Jesus' actions counter and are in contrast with the disciples who were too preoccupied 
for something like infants and babies. And Jesus' actions are in contrast also of the religious leaders of the day. See, throughout the Bible, fathers bless their children. You had Noah blessing his sons. Abraham blessed Isaac. Isaac blessed Jacob. Jacob blessed his 12 sons. These types of blessings that we see throughout Scripture are very important. And it was a tradition at the time of Jesus that parents would bring their children to the local synagogue where the religious leader would join the parents in a prayer of blessing. It's a special event. And a little side note here, as something pops up, speaking the blessing over your own children is super important. And I want to just model for you four easy ways that you can do this. Because if you are not speaking the blessing over your child, if you are not looking them right in the eyes and telling them how much they are loved by God and blessing them, friends, who is? How I want you to set this up is just like we saw it modeled in scriptures. They would read scripture, a blessing over them from scripture, a promise from God to these child. And touch there is so important. Putting your hand on your child, whether that's on their head or on their shoulders, maybe even on the side of their cheek, letting them know that you see them. And then you speak that blessing. You say to them that the Lord loves you and you are a unique child of God and I love you. You are mine. And then you grab their hands and together you pray. Time in scripture, touch them, bless them, pray with them. It changes them and it changes us as well. So people bringing their children to Jesus would seem to be a pretty expected and consistent practice of the day. But there's this interesting contrast that happens here in our text. And it's very subtle and we wouldn't realize it. But it's that Jesus is picking up these children and touching them. Friends, that was not the norm. If you touch someone, you defiled yourself, religiously speaking. Think about that good Samaritan parable, right? They passed the other way because they couldn't touch someone who was bleeding or they would have to start the whole process over before they could enter the temple. But Jesus never holds back in that way. Whether it's a child or a leper or a blind man or an outcast woman, he reaches out and touches. Friends, that has not changed even though we no longer see the Lord. We are never far from his touch of being seen by him. And you combine that with the fact that he held up that baby and said, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, and we have something truly radical taking place. A seemingly insignificant act of blessing these children, a simple moment on an ordinary day, and Jesus is communicating this idea that's summed up in one word, grace. The one who will go to the cross, who has that very important task up ahead and does what we ourselves cannot do, offers to us the kingdom. The thing that for so long we thought we had to earn or keep or somehow find. We see Jesus reaching down, picking up a child, picking us up as his own, putting his hand on us and blessing us, feeding us his very self. That is the power of touch and grace, a power and gift that is given to you and me. 
we receive his touch and grace because we have a personal God, a God who is in the mud with us, a God who loves us deeply, who has experienced our pain and our temptation but was without sin, a God who knows us and still chooses us, welcomes us right to his arms and touches us with his healing and grace. It is a power of touch and grace that we receive and we are called to share. Look at the text again and it says, people were bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked him. But Jesus called to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Leave that one up there for a little bit for us, Mr. Cruz. See, I love how Luke captures this memory. He says, don't just swipe by this. You see people bringing, you see disciples, disciples stopping and rebuking. And then you see the opposite, Jesus calling and saying, come and picking them up and blessing. And then you see the point. And I love looking at this. The people bring their babies, the, the disciples thinking, this is an infringement, this is inappropriate. You got to stop. By the way, rebuke there is the same that Jesus used to cast out demons, uh, um, stop the wind and the waves, rebuke fevers, things like that. So you see the aggression that the disciples had here, acting as if they knew better and knew that this was just, you know, you got to stop. Jesus is too important. I love picturing this in my mind. Because you got to imagine the crowds were pretty huge. This wasn't like some come sit on Santa's lap type blessing. This was just people pressing in. Parents holding what is most precious to them, trying to see Jesus just like everybody else and the disciples stopping them and saying, no, the master's too busy. He doesn't have time for your little baby. What good is just him touching the baby anyway? Go on, get out of here. He's got some important stuff to do. And then I see Jesus' hand reaching out and grabbing maybe Andrew's shoulder turning them very slowly. Jesus' own hands reaching out and bringing that baby in. Holds that baby and says, the kingdom belongs to these. And then every baby there blessed. In my mind, he speaks that blessing with each parent and their child. I wonder how long it took till the disciples' hearts melted. How long until they realized what they had done was wrong? I wonder if Jesus maybe took one of the babies after he had blessed it and put it in one of the disciples' arms. It's hard to stay angry, get, him, get mad, get to all the important stuff you have to do when you're holding a baby. And I see Jesus making eye contact with his disciples, looking right at James and being all like, receive the kingdom like this little child. And the disciple just turning and looking at this little face. And we look at that face of the baby, remember that these babies, they didn't make themselves worthy, right? They weren't so self-sufficient that they were like, I don't need Jesus right now. I need Jesus when things get tough. These babies don't have it together. They were brought to Jesus to receive his grace and touch. To have childlike trust not self-reliance, 
is what we're called to here, to have childlike faith and to live outside of these expectations, these limitations, these things that we know. We have to have childlike faith in our walk with the Lord. But at the same time, we have to be mature and growing in the Lord. Isn't that what we spent two weeks looking at in Ephesians? How do you do that? How do you have childlike faith yet be mature? How can things seem so opposite here, Lord? Why are you trying to make it impossible for us? Which one am I supposed to do? C.S. Lewis talked about having a child's heart and a grown-up's head. Jesus also said, be innocent as dove and wise as serpents. I think Jesus is laying down this general principle about the technique of kingdom work and what it really means to be a disciple. We're taking the gospel and love to a very hostile world. We got to be wise about that, ready to understand that there are things working against us, but we also need to be innocent in what we're doing. We're not stooping to deception or, or doing something silly or being shrewd in any way. Wisdom is not dishonestness. Innocence is not gullibility. Being a child means maybe we don't know as much as we think we do. And being mature says we don't know everything. We can be confident that in regard to salvation, we do nothing. But we also remember that the good works are prepared for us to do in advance. But we still do them, right? Friends, the balance of being a child and being a mature believer come together only in Jesus because childlike faith is all about living in humility, asking questions, having trust, and living in hope and wonder. It comes back to the table where Christ himself is, where the Father provides for us what we need. Children trust their parents to provide a source of wisdom that is greater than their own. So we too must rely on what the Father gives us, value His input, teaches us in His Word. How many times have you been told in your life to read the Bible? Friends, we don't just say that because it's good for you, because we humble ourselves when we come to the Bible. We open it up and admit that we don't have all the answers. We become vulnerable and say we are in need of what God gives. I love confession at the beginning of the service. Because each one of us humbles ourselves and forgets that it's not about us and says, I have done wrong and I need you, Christ Jesus, to fix this. Think about every moment in this worship service. Our heart has to come humble when we worship. We move from what will I get out of worship to today, but we humble ourselves. In the invocation, we call upon the name not our own name, but the name of the triune God. In confession, we confess our brokenness. In songs, we give praise not to ourselves or what we have done, but to God. We stop trying to form ourselves for just a moment and let the Spirit and God's Word form us. When we do a group prayer, we forget about ourselves and join our hearts as one, praying for others in the community. At the end, we ask for the benediction and the blessing of our Lord, not the praise or approval of others. Worship is an exercise in humility because it's not about us. It's about our Lord. You throw that slide up again, Mr. Cruz, you see it's about asking questions. 
from praying, how long, God? Why, God? Asking God for direction. Seeking God's will for your life. Friends, babies and infants and children talk to their parents. I know because last night I was woken up at 3 a.m. The little child holding, well, she's 11, holding her blanket being like, I'm scared, can I come in? And I was like, no, because your sister hasn't gone to sleep yet. She's kicking me in the back. I see that baby do something right, and what does she do? She turns around and looks to me to see if I saw it. Wanting to be in the presence. Childlike faith is having trust. It's grabbing that Ephesians 3.20 promise. Trusting that God is going to do far more for you than you could ever ask or imagine. That God is bigger than the God that you have made into your box or the God that you can see. God is bigger than everything that has happened to you so far. Trusting that God is the one who defines you. Trusting that the whole earth could give way and shake, but you stand on him, the one who is unmovable, the same God that was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Knowing that this God has placed you right where you are supposed to be in this moment for this time such as this. And to live in hope and wonder. To experience life with Him. To trust that when God says that what I have begun, I will bring unto completion in Jesus is going to happen. To live abundantly. I'm so tired of being afraid, so tired of seeing what has changed today. I'm ready to be eager and excited to see what God is going to do today instead. To see what is the moment, what is the memory that He will bring today. To look past everything that has happened and then look back and see it's His hand in those moments, whether they were good or bad. Because hope in Christ is greater than any brokenness that we experience. I know our service today has been a little up and down, but we're going to bring the band back up here today. Because when they sing, man, it fills me with wonder and excitement to stand in the presence of God, to give praise to a God that is bigger than me, to forget about myself and to come before Him and receive. It's just singing. It's just standing with other people and singing. But when so much of life is about the big moment, the bright lights, the publicity, I love that our God just bends down to pick up a child and bless them. And maybe we've been caught up in the just scrolling and moving past those moments, moving on to more important things. But do not forget that the God of the universe who formed all of it sees a little child stops and blesses. And friends, hear me today and believe that God calls out against all the anxiety, all the busyness, all the expectations, all the guilt, the shame, anything that would prevent you from coming to God. He calls out against that and says, stop. And then gently reaches out to you and says, come to me, my child. Come to me to be held, to be loved, and to receive. 
promises you that in this frantic, messed up world, he always stops and comes to you, blesses you, keeps you. That's what we want to do. Come to the Jesus who comes to us. Embrace these three verses, this childlike faith that we have been called to have, to have eyes opened, seeing things differently, to have mind focusing on the goodness of God rather than on what's wrong. have hands finding new things to do, and to have lives that are shaped in a completely different way, the way of Jesus. I like this next song. Will you stand with me and sing it? <laughs>